Warning, Monkey's Crazy Mind contains language that may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised, but will be completely f- ignored. <laughs> Right to it wrong. Parents pissed off every time I write a song. Smoke crack, push up Satan. What the fuck is that? It's something funny, made for you to laugh at. You're destroying America with your rap. You're so full of shit, I need to call hazmat. The only way I would ever apologize is if I had my face buried in your sister's thighs. Okay, I'm sorry for what it's worth, but the best part of you was the afterbirth. If you can't take a fucking joke, then go jump in the river. Nah, 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 and I fucked your sister. If you can't take a fucking joke, then go jump in the river. Nah, 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 and I fucked your sister. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, yes. Here we are, the asylum is reopened for the final time here in 2023. What is happening, everybody? This is Money's Crazy Mind, the podcast about everything and nothing, all at the exact same time. I, of course, am... Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. You call Ghostbusters because they in control. Lee, motherfucking money back with you yet one more time in 2023. And then next year, we'll be back in just a couple of weeks. So, a lot of things happened this past year. And... Kind of got to, you know, look back at the year and wonder how things might have gone a little bit differently if uh, some events that happened didn't happen. And then certain events that happened or didn't happen that would have happened. I mean, a lot happened here with the asylum in 2023 we had some physical changes and then obviously we had some aesthetic changes like the background that you see behind me now you know constantly doing things a little bit differently around here just to try to you know change things up every once in a while but in all reality Twenty twenty three has been a little bit of a challenging year. From struggling with my heart and blood pressure issues to changing my line of work to better myself and my family to changing the direction of this show and producing, releasing, promoting it all by myself. There's been a lot of good and bad 
that has come out of 2023. Looking back on it all now, every decision, good or bad, has been for the better. And looking at it as a long-term goal to finally having a sense of self-worth, a feeling of accomplishment and feeling like I am finally happy with my job and a lot more financial stability has helped a lot of my health issues begin to regulate. And fighting for those answers has helped a lot in all of this as well. I've been thinking a lot recently about all of the things that have happened and changed my life in the past year and have come to a lot of understanding of who I am as a person, who I want to be as a digital content creator, and most importantly, have taken the time to discover how all of these changes and challenges have affected my mental well-being. Going into this year, I knew I wanted a lot of things to change, not only for myself, but for my family. A lot of that meant put uh, meant putting things into a different perspective and looking into what was the most and least important for what was needed to make sure all of our goals for the years got accomplished. As the year went on, a lot of those priorities began to change, and I had to shift my focus and energy in order to accomplish my own personal goals. As the year progressed and more things kept changing, one thing always stayed the same. I had lost a lot of focus on things that made me happy. I had a lot of my own goals that I wanted to accomplish when it came to digital content creation, and my focus had shifted from what I was doing at the time to where I am now. I wanted to share knowledge and continue to change the way that this medium is looked at, and I was unable to get that accomplished in the places I was at. Now, with the knowledge I have gained, experiences I have had, and the new tools and skills I am building, I can make a lot of those dreams come true while still being able to provide for myself and my family. What made all of these things possible was taking the time to look inward at myself and find what was important to me. Focus on those aspects above everything else. I have discovered new passions and rediscovered ones that I had put to the side, and I am becoming the best version of myself again. I learned a lot about who I am this past year, and now I can be the best version of myself again. As Doc Brown said in Back to the Future Part 3, the future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. So make it a good one. I've always done my best to live by that credo, and sometimes, like everyone, I got lost along the way. <laughs> there is always room to grow and learn. Even though I am entering middle age, there is no rule anywhere that states I am stuck, that you are stuck in what you're doing or what you are at that point. I am glad to be where I am at this point, and having the support system I have 
I want to thank everyone over the year that has taken this journey with me and helped discover who I am and who I want to be. So with all of this said, it's time to have some fun. This episode, as we look back at some of the moments uh, I think were the best from this past year, but also the episode that the fans chose as the best of 2023, according to Spotify. We break open the Money's Crazy Mind newsroom. And we're going to discuss a lot of things that are happening over at Hasbro. From changes that are being made to licensing to layoffs, and to a few surprises that have been thrown at collectors and toy fans alike over this past year. And also, a lot of layoffs that are happening over at the toy conglomerate. We also talk about Doctor Who's Christmas special. And how bright does the show's future look with Dr. Number 15? Now in control of the TARDIS. But not let's not waste any more time. And let's go ahead and jump into the Money's Crazy Mind newsroom. Or the new newsroom, I should say. And take a look at what all of these changes at Hasbro mean for the future of kids and toy collectors alike. All right, so here we are. We are in the Money's Crazy Mind News Center. And as you can see, it's just me. I wonder where the hell everybody's at. But like I said, we're going to talk about a lot of the changes that have been happening at Hasbro. And we're going to start with Hasbro announcing that they opened the Hasbro lab vault now this is not something that that happens very often and hasbro surprised fans last week by opening the HasLab vault vault and allowing fans to buy overstock on previous has lab projects all of this was in celebration of hasbro's 100th anniversary and previously funded projects were made available to pulse members including the ghostbusters spanglers proton pack at the original 400 asking price and these were a very limited quantities of items and they sold out in minutes other brands included gi joe transformers and star wars and it was this was originally reported on ghostbusters news that they unexpectedly list the Ghostbusters Proton Pack HasLab as in stock, and then it sold out within minutes. Celebrating the Toy Giants' 100th anniversary, Hasbro was said to have been cracking open the HasLab vault, sending out emails and alerting premium uh, Pulse Premium members <coughs> shortly before the advertised sale had launched at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And those lucky enough to caught the alert had the rare opportunity <clears throat> to purchase in-stock HasLabs, including 
the Ghostbusters Plasma Series Spangler's Proton Pack and being listed in highly limited quantities, the Proton Pack would sell out within the first five minutes of going live, carrying its initial crowdfunding price point of $399. Other items made available and since sold out include the Victory Saber from and War for Cybertron Unicron from Transformers and the G.I. Joe Sky Striker. And at the time of the report, the only remaining stock included mythic and heroic renditions of the Hero Quest board game so here is a listing of the items that were made available in the has lab vault when it was made available so what made this so interesting to a lot of fans is the fact that they never ever 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 do this but the other thing that really made this a big thing for fans is that a lot of the money that was being spent on these items, that money was going to Hasbro's charity as well, which was a huge selling point of the fact that this happened. <clears throat> uh, they're celebrating by making a charitable donation to the Hasbro Children's Hospital and by cracking open the HasLab vault. And a lot of the money that was made by them opening the vault went to doing that. And then obviously we've been talking about it ever since it got announced at the end of October. But the Ghostbusters second HasLab two in the box funding closed on December 12th at midnight. And let me tell you, Hasbro did not waste any time in trying to take they monies okay 1201 a.m while i am suffering from food poisoning and was up pretty much all night i get the alert that hasbro went into my bank account and took the monies for this project but it did close for the ghost trap and pke meter on december 12th with a massive success the project only needed 10,000 backers to be successfully funded, and it closed at a whopping 24,361 paid orders. For reference, the Proton Pack closed at 19,036. That was an increase of 5,305 backers. Funding price was $300 for the two-pack, and all of the stretch tiers were unlocked, including a mystery tier that was announced on Adam Savage's YouTube show, Tested. Total funding for the project without taxes and shipping came to $7,308,300. Now, for those of you that may not have backed the project, I want to take a look at some of the stretch goals and the tiers that we were uh, able to unlock on this project. And so we're going to start with the first tier that needed 12,000 backers. So this was the first stretch goal after the initial 10,000 uh, backers that were needed to fund the project. And it was the Supernatural Startup Unlock. 
If you want to suit up, then you're going to need to have have to study up because the last thing you want is to be unprepared when in the presence of a nasty, focused, non-terminal repeating phantasm. Believe you me, Buster. You got to get to know your supernatural elimination equipment with the supernatural startup unlock. Bust this unlock and you'll receive the handy 18-inch by 24-inch PKE meter and ghost trap blueprint poster, which, quite frankly, looks pretty boss displayed on your favorite wall. Speaking of boss displays, you can really spruce up any joint with a with a few perfectly placed slaps. That's why we've included some stick some six sticker designs inspired by the Ghostbusters universe, including Raise Occult Books. To, Stay puffed marshmallows and more. Think you know what else we have in store? Fancy yourself an aspiring psychic? Then you're in luck because you're going to love the testing the limits of your psychic abilities with a set of five four and a half inch by seven inch ESP cards inspired by Dr. Venkman and updated with Dr. Stance's flair. Oh, we also took out a third mortgage on the HasLab to give these cards a premium linen-backed finish. And if that's not enough, you can slap a screen-accurate 84 no-ghost replica patch right on your flight suit. Recreated to match the screen-used Ghostbusters patches from the original 1984 smash hit, this patch is the perfect addition to the sh shoulder of your suit. Leonardo, if you're not going to stand up, then get out of the way. So that is the first tier. Now let's take a look at the second, the secure reptile ghost trap receptacle ghost trap unlock. Uh, face it, ghost busting is a very active job. Boots on the ground and packs on the back. Sometimes a pesky paranormal pest will flee straight through a wall. A good ghostbuster will give pursuit, which means regaining lost ground. Thanks to that shiny supernatural shortcut, or slimy supernatural shortcut, it's not easy to run or even jog with a proton pack strapped to your back. That is 100% true. Thankfully, your pack is secure. Your ghost trap should be too. <coughs> when hustling down a hallway to catch up to a fleeing phantasm, your trap is going to be hanging onto your belt for dear life. You don't want to meet up with your target only to discover your trap fell off somewhere along the way. That won't be an issue with the secure receptacle ghost trap unlock, which comes complete with a secure holster created with premium soft goods and real metal. Oh, and we're throwing in another Ghostbusters patch. That right. That's right. We've got our very own exclusive Ghostbusters HasLab patch you can slap on your suit, add to your patch collection, or trade with fellow busters i'm not gonna lie at first when i was looking at that Haslab patch i wasn't a big fan of it but now as the campaign has gone on and just you know thinking about wanting that trap holster and everything else i'm like you know what that is a pretty neat patch and it's something that only the people that back this project are going to get so with that in mind i'm just like okay i'll take the Haslab patch that's cool uh, coming up next, this was the final tier. 
the uh, the secure receptacle ghost trap unlock unlocked at fifteen thousand backers. This last one unlocked at eighteen thousand backers, and it is the psychokinetic energy detection unlock. And carrying the PKE meter around in the breast pocket of your lab coat isn't going to cut it when you're on the call. Besides, you'll have suited up and zipped the breast pocket of the flight suits and zipped. And the zip breast pockets of the flight suits are even less adequate for storing this delicate piece of homemade machinery. Looks like we're going to need another holster. <clears throat> Designed with premium soft goods and real metal pieces, you'll have peace of mind knowing your PKE meter is strapped snugly to your waist. Need another patch? Good! Because you're getting a yet another patch. You love patches, we love patches, and we wanted to share the love. Unlock the PKE meter holster and we'll toss in an exclusive mini puffed no ghost logo patch. Yep, the adorable image of a mini puffed caught in the red no symbol as seen after the end credits of 2021's Ghostbusters Afterlife comes to life in an exclusive patch. That logo has always been one of my favorites ever since it was introduced at the end of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, there were some fan-made patches of this very kind that were, uh, you know, made after the movie came out. But this one being an exclusive one, backed by Sony, backed by the filmmakers, backed by all that, um, it, it kind of adds a little bit to it. And now for the spectral surprise unlock that we got during, well, at least half of it, we got during Adam Savage's Tested. Uh, so this is the official um, note that was left on the HasLab page after the uh, funding closed, and we got the full details of what exactly we're getting in the Spectral Surprise Unlock. Uh, hello, Ghostbusters fans, and congratulations on fully funding all the stretch goal tiers, including our unannounced Tier 4, the Spectral Surprise. Because Ghostbuster fans community is so dedicated to this thrilling franchise, the Hasla Hasbro Pulse HasLab team, along with our par partners at Sony Pictures Consumer Products and Ghost Corp, have decided to toss in a couple of bonus unlocks. That's right. Not only will backers receive the exclusive Ghostbusters Engineering Group patch revealed on Adam Savage's Tested, but we'll also be including a special Zedmore Industries Ghostbusters Engineering keycard inspired by the upcoming Ghostbusters Frozen Empire movie. Yes, you can become a card-carrying member of the Ghostbusters engineering team, and how cool is that? On behalf of our wonderful partners and everyone on the Hasbro Ghostbusters team, thank you for making this otherworldly campaign a chilling success. So I'm not going to lie. The one the one thing that I'm actually really excited about when it when it comes to the Spectral Surprise unlock is that key card. That to me is probably the coolest part of it. When they unveiled the patch during Adam Savage's tested because I did watch the tested. Uh I'm just like, "Man, another fucking patch? Like we can't think of anything else to give us like I don't know, maybe like throwing in like a different sound card or something for the PKE meter or, you know, I don't know, like just, I, I, I was just spitballing at that point because like we're getting three patches in this set. 
And really, like I said, only two of them I really only were the two that I really cared about. And that was the mini puff patch and the original 84 screen used no ghost logo. And let's go back to that just really quick. You know, I think you can kind of see in the logo that's right here. Um, the hands are what pretty much everyone sees in the film or on the original logo. But on the patch, there was a mistake. And by the time it got down time <clears throat> for filming to start, I'm going to try to make this a little bit bigger here for everybody to see as well, just so we can see what I'm talking about. Um, okay. That. I won't do that. So take a look at the hand on the left-hand side and even on the right side. You can kind of tell where the team that was making the original 84 patches messed up a little bit. So there it is. You can see the mistakes on there. And when it comes to patch makers, there's only been one group that I've seen that have actually done the mistake version of the patches that they had in the original 84 film and that's the calgary ghostbusters out of calgary canada when they sell their 84 patches that's what they look like and the calgary ghostbusters to their credit do use screen accurate materials as well which is why their patches are considered some of the best in the ghostbusting community when it comes to patches now, I have never bought any of their 84 version patches, but I do have their 89 Ghostbusters 2 patches, and I do have both the 84 and 89 versions of the nameplates from the Calgary Ghostbusters as well, and I gotta say, they hold up the best out of any of the patches that I've ever owned when it comes to my Ghostbusters cosplay um, uh, materials. That's the word I was looking for. <clears throat> you know, and I, and I, well, I, get, I get criticized a lot for talking so much about Ghostbusters on here, but it is a passion of mine. And we are some of the most passionate fan bases that exist out there, uh, you know, rivaled by Star Wars, rivaled by Star Trek, rivaled by a lot of these other, you know, I don't want to say cult-like, but <laughs> I guess we are kind of cult-like in our um, love for this franchise. And we take a lot of the things that happen in this franchise seriously. Um, Hasbro actually reached out to Ghostbusters fans after they announced this HasLab with the two in the box with the PKE meter and the Ghost Trap and asked us what we wanted to see in these products. They then took all of that back to the HasLab engineering team and they implemented everything that we as fans recommended. And that is something that you don't see a lot in collectors that, you know, there'll be times when people bitch about the way that collectibles and, you know, especially prop replicas like this is, um, and they, they, you know, they're not exactly perfect. And then the fans will complain about it and they'll just be like, okay, well, you know, you got what you got and this is what we consider to be a replica prop and things like that. Um, I mean, and the same can be said in the toy world, too. I mean, this is a uh, an official comic book, original 1984 comic book replica 
of Leonardo from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is what they looked like in the original 84 Mirage comics. Those comics were black and white, and the only reason why they made the, made the headbands red is because that's how they were in the original books. And obviously, you know, there's going to be some people, eh, Leonardo blue. Well, pick up an original Mirage 84 book and you'll see that all four turtles have red headbands. Um, but, you know, so, I mean, this was a fun project to back. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And I am so glad that Hasbro is and did take the time to ask Ghostbuster fans what they wanted to see in these materials. Uh, but if anybody from HasLab is listening for the next project, I have an idea. And that would be to re-release the Kenner Ghostbusters Firehouse playset. Because, you know, you're releasing all these Kenner toys. We need something to play, you know, put them in. And that's going to be a little bit too big to put on store shelves. So that would be a really neat HasLab. It would also be a cheaper one. And I think we could, I think we would have a lot of fun with it, you know, or maybe update a, a firehouse playset and we can do something with that as well. Uh, we have one more thing that I want to talk about here when it comes to um, Hasbro and things that they've done in this past year. And this one was kind of a little interesting to me. And then when you hear about some things that happened in this, it might make a little bit more sense. And that is that McFarlane Toys and Hasbro are teaming up. And they, uh, you know, McFarlane Toys, who currently holds the licensing for the DC Multiverse, just entered into a deal with Hasbro to expend, expand the Page Punchers line to include Transformers, G.I. Joe, Power Rangers, and Dungeons and Dragons. Page Punchers are a figure line that features either a 4-inch or a 7-inch figure and a comic book. What's interesting with this is that the image is that Image Comics, which is also owned by Todd McFarlane, um, and their imprint company Skybound now publishes both Transformers and G.I. Joe comic books. While IDW still has Dungeons and Dragons, IDW's financial trouble continues to plague the comic book publisher after losing the licenses to Ghostbusters, Transformers, and G.I. Joe. Uh, this could lead to more underperforming titles to move to new homes as well. Or maybe if Hasbro loses faith in IDW's ability to continue producing the books for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and even with the popularity of the titles, Hasbro decided to move the licenses uh, to new companies. Uh, Ghostbusters moved to Dark Horse Comics and the others to Image and Skybound. Dark Horse could become a player in the D&D market, seeing as how that brand is tied to the Stranger Things world dark horse does produce a stranger things comic book and um with dungeons and dragons being tied to stranger things uh that could be an interesting peering and giving another title to dark horse comics that is a hasbro owned entity uh 
Boom Studios still holds uh, the licensing to the Power Rangers comic books, and they've teamed up with both DC and IDW in the past to combine Justice League and the Ninja Turtles with the Teenagers with Attitude. However, having all the titles under Skybound and Image could make it a lot easier for McFarlane to produce the Page Punchers figures down the road. Will the Todd Father scoop up the last two comic book rights as well as the Page Puncher rights? Or will he try to steal all of the licensing and make them all McFarlane exclusives? Now, do the announced layoffs that Hasbro announced have anything to do with this new licensing and how interesting is it that both were reported on the exact same day? Uh, so here it wow that is almost impossible to read it did not look like that when i originally put this together uh, so do i have to make it bigger um all right so i'm just gonna try to to read this the best i can because it is almost impossible to read on the screen but page punchers is a yeah i can't even fucking read that Okay, well, we're just going to skip over that then. But uh, here's the story about Hasla uh, Hasbro laying off a, uh, 1,100 workers as weak toy sales persist into the holiday season. Uh, they're laying off about uh, 1,100 employees as the toy maker struggles with soft sales that have carried into the holiday shopping season, according to a company member attained by CNBC. Hasbro had 6,300 employees as of earlier this year, according to the fact sheet from the company. Shares of the company fell more than 2% Tuesday to rival, also rival Mattel's stock also slipped. Uh, here is a quote from the company memo. With anticipated, uh, we anticipated the first three quarters to be challenging, particularly in toys where the market is coming off historic pandemic-driven highs. CEO Chris Cox said in the memo, while we have made some important progress across our organization, the headwinds we saw through the first nine months of the year have continued into the holidays and are likely to persist into 2024. And Hasbro, which already laid off hundreds of employees earlier that year, had warned in October that trouble was on the horizon in the company's most recent quarterly earnings report. Hasbro slashed its already soft full-year outlook, projecting a 13 to 15% resonu revenue decline in the year. Popular toy brands' sales had dropped significantly. Hasbro also said in the October quarterly report, popular brands like My Little Pony, Nerf, and Transformers had fallen 18% at the time due to softer category trends. Hasbro's stock was down nearly 20% through Monday's close. And Hasbro's competitor, Mattel, had also warned of soft sales. Yet Mattel's stock is up about 6% through Monday, powered a great deal by the box office success of the film Barbie. That's still behind the 17% gain posted by the S&P 500 so far this year. Retailers overall could be in for tepid holiday season and toys saw lower discounts for consumers when compared to discounts a year ago uh so my final thoughts on this are i do think that todd mcfarland is going to try to do whatever he can to try to maybe lessen 
some of this burden where McFarlane Toys has has more of a collector's feel to it. Uh, seeing as how Hasbro has done something that they never do and offered past HasLab projects to people and they quickly sold out yet again, shows the power of collectors. While inventory numbers were never revealed as to how many of these items Hasbro had on hand, it's unclear just how much profit Hasbro made off of these overstock items. A few lucky fans got their hands on something that has eluded them in the past, and that in itself is amazing. You can never underestimate the power of fandom and offering a premium quality product at a reasonable price will allow a lot of people's dreams of owning top quality screen accurate props to, uh, come to life. Hasbro's not alone in this. NECA has done this as well with the Ninja Turtles and Batman. Uh, not, not as a crowdfunded project, but at retail prices for collectible props like Batarangs. Batman's grapple gun, and even the utility belt from the 1989 Tim Burton film, Batman. The merger between McFarlane and Hasbro has intrigue. McFarlane's insane attention to detail and reasonable price points could attract new collectors to the products. Also, with Image Comics now owning the rights to some of the comic book titles, it adds to the reasoning of wanting to do page punchers with these titles. The page punchers for DC has been a huge success. And even at the four inch scale of some of the page punchers, the detail is absolutely amazing. The success of the line could lead to McFarlane producing larger scale figures and to see the level of detail on a transformer to see his level of detail on a transformer has me curious. Luxury item sales are down across the board right now thanks to the rise of the cost of living expenses and it's not just affecting Hasbro but all toy companies. The fact that the market is the fact is the market for a lot of toy companies has to shift. Looking less at children and more at the adult collector. NECA, McFarlane and several other co companies have seen tremendous success in the premium collector's market, and it might be time for Hasbro and Mattel to look into it as well. Mattel used to have a collector's line, the Maddie collector's line, uh, that was very short-lived. However, with the marketing swing, it might just be time for them to go back to it. Uh, but that is what I have on the... Uh, shift of things over at Hasbro. Now, what I wanted to do before we get into our main topic of the night, which was the Doctor Who Christmas special, um, is I kind of want to take a look at a lot of the things that we saw in 2023 when it came to this show and talk about some of my favorite moments from the show from this past year. But not only that, but what the fans decided was the number one episode of Money's Crazy Mind in 2023 on Spotify. And I got to say, I was a little shocked because when I looked back at the release date of the particular episode that fans voted as the number one episode of the year 
of Money's Crazy Mind. It was actually released in 2022. But you can never underestimate when fans are going to find your content. And they did. 995% more than the average episode of the show. And that episode was episode 63. Captive audience, I know my first name is Steven. Uh, there was one episode on Spotify that outperformed and outshined every other episode this past year. Captive audience, I know my name is Steven. The episode got 995% more listeners than all other episodes this past year. What made this episode special to me is that it was based on a true story of a little boy, Steven Stainer, who was kidnapped while walking home from school on December 4th, 1972. He moved with his captor multiple times uh, over with different names in every city. His abductor had even gotten a uh, new victim as Stephen got older and became more of a teenager into adulthood. And on October 1st, 1980, Stephen and the young second victim escaped walked to a nearby police station and reported what happened. After they were returned to their families, Stephen became a celebrity up until his untimely death in a motorcycle accident. His older brother, Carrie, would also become infamous, but for a much darker reason. You can check out the episode now on all premium podcasting networks just search Money's Crazy Mind and make sure you make that S a dollar sign. Or check out our website, podpage.com forward slash money's dash crazy dash mind. But talking about the favorite moments of the year, uh, 2023 was a very up and down year, not only for the show, but for myself as well. From crazy health issues to making massive changes in direction of the show. Uh, it saw a lot of moments worthy of this claim. For me, though, it was the moment that could have been either the suicide or redemption of the show. The All Hallows Eve special for this year. My first broadcast being self-produced. And released almost three years. Uh, and, and oh, up, my bad. It was my first broadcast being self-produced and released in almost three years. What I mean by that is it's the first time I've done this without the backing of an internet radio station like I had had for the two and a half years previous to that. The episode was capped off with a promo that showed just how important this moment was for the show. It's a promo that I had originally written 13 years ago for a wrestling promotion that me and some of my friends were going to start. Over the years, I had had the opportunity to use the promo for different occasions and reasons. But for some reason, this moment, the rebirth of Money's Crazy Mind going solo again, it just felt like the right time to use it. I was unsure of myself. The first time without support or backing from anyone, just me, a microphone, and a change in direction. But after I finished that promo and the intro video hit, all of the doubts 
and everything that I had felt going into that moment changed. I was reinvigorated and felt good about the show for the first time in a long time. In case you guys may not have seen the All Hallows Eve special, here's that promo. kind of comforting it's kind of comforting that this is the one time of year where the veil between the spirit realm and the realm of the corporeal is at its thinnest the festivals of Samhain and All Hallows Eve which celebrate the macabre charging that energy allowing it to roam Breaking down the barrier. Energy. Both positive and negative. Flowing through our realm. Charging the spirits trapped here. Creating the blanket. That will soon mark the end of the harvest. Prepping it for the long, cold isolation of winter you know it's funny about 15 years ago a group of pissed off like-minded independent wrestlers were going to use a spot just like this to announce their intentions to create the systematic suicide and redemption of the indie wrestling business. They never got to cut that promo. But here I am, 15 years later, talking about a completely different kind of suicide or redemption. My own. For the first time in nearly two and a half years, this show has zero support, zero backing. It's just me on my own once again. This moment right here could truly be the systemic suicide or redemption of money's crazy mind. All Hallows' Eve spooktacular begins now. All right, so there it was. That was the promo that I cut to open this past year's All Hallows' Eve special. <laughs> A moment that I hold very near and dear to my heart. And it's for the reasons that I basically said in that promo. It could have been the absolute destruction of this show if nothing went right. But a lot of things changed after that. And I regained a confidence in myself about doing this show. And I found new ways of putting this show together and doing this show. And along with that, I wanted to look back at some of my favorite interviews or some of the favorite moments or guests that I ever had on the show. 
And for me, the favorite interview, it was an easy pick. Getting to hang out with one of your best friends, listening to one of our favorite bands, and their new album that had yet to be released. And then getting to give our opinions on the album. It's just always a great time. Musicians talking musicians getting loco on Metallica 72 seasons. Myself and Tony Gonzalez, the singer for Four Loco, got to go to the Metallica 72 Seasons album release party, and we got to hear the whole album in its entirety before it was being released to the public. Uh, After the show, we sat down and talked about the album and gave our opinions on it. Here is a clip of Tony and I sharing our views on 72 seasons this is an audio only clip and that's because of the affiliation with the internet radio station that i am no longer with so i have the rights to the audio versions of the episodes but not the video versions so here's a clip from my interview with tony gonzalez as we're talking about getting loco on metallica 72 seasons so um let's get into tonight yep um neither one of us really knew what to expect from this i mean we just knew it was the global album release party it was going to be the first time the album was played in its entirety uh metallica opened it up to the general public their fans which is not something that they that normally at this kind of an event Right, you would see because normally these things are kind of reserved for music executives, you know, mm-hmm. um, people like that, uh, even radio personalities. Right, right. Um, so when I first said, "Hey, this is coming up," you were kind of just like, "Yeah, you know, let let's check it out. Let's see what it is." Um, what was your initial take when I said this is an album release party? There's going to be interviews with Metallica. There's going to be, like, what was your initial take on it? I mean, I honestly wasn't sure what to expect, and at that time, there wasn't a lot of buzz about the new album. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been growing since that time. So obviously, I've listened to a few of the singles they, that they put out, and that's built my excitement towards you know the new album. But I mean, I loved their their last couple. I loved. Uh, hardwired and i love death magnetic i mean so i i feel like they've been doing really well for their last few albums so mm. i expected more you know more of the same but i hope that they were gonna mix it up Advance a little, a little yeah, bit. yeah yeah i mean that's what you hope out of your favorite artist that they're gonna do something to wow you again yeah which is very hard to do yeah and and sometimes when you try to do that you end up alienating your fan mm-hmm. base because they're like well i liked you because you sounded like this and now you're different yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, I was, honestly, I had no idea what to expect. Uh, even going into it tonight, I was excited about it, but I'm like, I honestly don't know what this is going to be like. I've never done anything like it. Yeah. Um, but that was a blast. Okay. So. Uh, you know, so it was introduced obviously by like, we'll kind of break it down by like what they did in it. And then we'll break it down song by song, like which ones we like the most, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, it was introduced by Metallica, like, and it was kind of a comedy skit a little bit with yes, with Lars kind of just like, <laughs> why am I the one talking, you know, and, yeah. and things like that. Um, 
the black and white kind of got to me. Like, I wish that they had thrown a little bit of color in there with it, because, like, all the interview segments were black yeah, and white. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it didn't necessarily bother me, but I can I can understand where you're going with that. But mm-hmm. I, the comedy part of it, it was funny, but I, I would have liked a little more in-depth of, like, what they were doing with the album from their point of view. Yeah. I felt like, a, so, you know, each song they were introducing it, like, one or two of the members before each song giving their take on it. And a lot of it was just like, oh, strong riffs, mid-tempo, certain melodies, yada, 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 mu- like musical gibberish. This, yeah. That to the casual fan, they're like, this means nothing to yeah, me. Yeah, who fucking cares? They, they want to know, like, what was your inspiration for this song? What yeah. drove you? Yeah. Why did you write these words? You know, what was your inspiration for this riff? And there wasn't a lot of that. It was very lighthearted and very, like I said, you know, especially like with Lars, he, he literally sounded like he had no idea what he was trying to say. Just, uh, oh yeah, this next song, it's, it's real killer. It'll make you go, Grr, and, <laughs> and yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, and, then, and then they play the song and I'm like, and it wasn't even that, but what was, yeah. what was funny is like, you know, everybody in the theater, you could hear the collective sigh yeah. when he's describing it. Like, come on, man, like say something about, the music that's meaningful that right you know like give us something that we can get here that nobody else is going to get you know like yeah we paid for this experience you know tell us what this means to you what what made you want to do this and it didn't really get a lot of that i think hetfield probably out of all of them gave the most in depth yeah you know i mean obviously you know james is the one writing most writing of the, the lyrics, lyrics but yeah. um you know they've been on kimmel all week and uh Something that they had kind of said that that was just like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, you know, normally in the past they'd kind of gone in with, you know, James had some ideas and blah blah blah. This time it was like, you know, hey, everybody bring your own stuff to the table, right? And uh, you know, we'll we'll go based on that. You know, so I mean, like you heard, like uh, Kirk had a riff that he ended up giving to Rob. For a bass yep. piece, mm-hmm. and I know that James didn't come up with all the lyrics for all the songs on this one, which, right. is, which is cool. Um, so um, James had said in Metallica's official magazine, um, "So what? That seventy-two seasons is the first eighteen years of life." Mm. So I'm wondering if you can do the math: seven, you know, eighteen times four. You know, do you get seventy-two? Mm. You know. Um, and you know how those experiences when you're a child and a teenager, you know those those heavy development years, how they shape you as an adult. Makes a lot of sense now thinking about the lyric, the lyrics, some of the content, lyrics, yeah, yeah, and the message of the songs, yeah. Mm. A lot of that stuff would pertain to the, you know, to your youth and yeah, yeah. early adulthood. All right, so there you have it. That was a clip from the episode uh, Musicians Talking Musicians Getting Loco on Metallica 72 Seasons. Uh, I do want to apologize for some of the uh, audio uh, there where it sounded like I was, you know, messing with the mic throughout most of the interview. Um, It was a handheld directional microphone, and I had to point it towards Tony. Um, 
and it was all handheld and everything like that. So that's what caused a lot of that. Um, since then, a lot of changes have been made uh, here in Spook Central, and I now have a way to be able to have this microphone. And um, if I do have a guest and we're on the road, have them wear a headset. So not only can they hear um, everything that's coming through, but we also have a microphone. And this is a pretty damn good headset that I got to say. It's a JBL and everything like that. So uh, be prepared for this to start getting used in the future. Um, maybe not by my guest, but by me. Uh, if I'm on a rem remote location and I don't have anywhere to set this bad mamma jamma up. Um, but we got one more uh, favorite moment that we're going to talk about from 2023. Uh, and then after we do this moment, we're going to go to break. Um, we're going to be a little bit late heading to break here. But, um, you know, that's just the way that these things time themselves out. Uh, but my favorite episode overall in the year 2023 was when I had the band Behead the Prophet in studio, and they were introducing and actually world premiering their first single, The Calling. Um, as fun as it is getting to sit, uh, sitting down and talking to your friends about new Metallica music, it's even more fun getting to talk to your friends about their personal musical journeys. And such was the case when the band Behead the Prophet came in studio to debut their first single, The Calling. Drummer Dwayne Gupton and I go way back to his days in Big Ugly, whose music you've heard on this show quite a few times. Uh, and with Tony Gonzalez, uh, who was the singer for Big Ugly. And he brought the whole band and a six-pack of Yingling in to celebrate. Uh, what followed is one of the most fluid and fun episodes of the show I can ever remember doing. It's a close second to when I had Psych Ward in studio talking about John Cena hookers, and Make-A-Wish all on the same night. Um, I honestly feel that this was the last time I can remember having fun on the show until the All Hallows' Eve episode. Uh, there are some guests that just bring out your best and Behead the Prophet accomplished that in spades. But wrapping up the year 2023 and my final thoughts on the year. Uh, now that this year and the show of uh, now that this year of the show is coming to a close, I just want to thank everyone that took the journey with me. I celebrated 100 episodes, ended a partnership, and journeyed into a new world of excitement with the future looking bright for the show. There were many downs in 2023, but I am standing and happy with everything that's happening going into 2024. The growth and improvement of this show will continue into the new year, and I always uh, like the show to be organic and consistently, and, uh, and being a consistently changing entity. We focused a lot on Doctor Who to end the year due to the 60th anniversary and Christmas specials. But we'll be diving back into true crime and the mystery world and even going to dive a little into the world of the paranormal into 2024. So be prepared for a lot of new things coming up in this next year. Uh, but with break here this week, we are going to actually play 
the moment that we announced on the show that it was time to world premiere the single by Behead the Prophet, The Calling. And then obviously the song, The Calling, and my reaction to hearing the song for the very first time. When we come back, we are diving into the TARDIS and we are going to be talking about the Doctor Who Christmas special. All that when we return right here on Money's Crazy Mind. Gentlemen, it's time. It's time. Okay. So play the uh, fucking song, then Lee. Yes, we are we are gonna play the brand new or the the first single, actually. The The, first the the only single from only one uh, right right now. now. (laughs) We're working Uh, on the other one, people. Uh (laughs) from Behead the Prophet, it's called The Calling. This is or is this more like the world premiere? But this, this is, is the world, world premiere. premiere. Well, it's, okay. it's been out, it is, it's been it out is for, available globally. Yeah, it's yes, been out yes. for streaming for about a week. On, um, uh, it's on every streaming site. Every streaming site. And uh, shout out Bob Hacker and Keith Kelly from Absolutely, those guys fucking rule. Getting that Thank song you properly. guys. Yes, yes right. those guys fucking rule. And uh, shout out to our booking agent, uh, Mandy McGuire from uh, Powerback Booking. Thank you so much, Mandy. All right. All right so we're going to play the song here. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break here, which we like to do at the top of the hour here on Money's Crazy Mind. Uh-oh. When we come back, we will break down the song. We'll talk to these guys about it. Like I said, I haven't heard this yet either. I wanted to wait until this moment. I knew these guys were going to be here, and I, I saved it. And Because even my wife, Megan, you know my wife, yes. you know, she was just like, did you hear the song from Dwayne yet? And I'm like, no, they're, they're going to be on the show the 21st. <laughs> I'm waiting. Stop bringing it up that it's in my fucking Thank email. You, Megan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Megan. We love you. Uh, she's actually watching uh, Boaterhead over at the. Oh, great, great fucking band. Yeah. Yeah. They sell out the local every time they're yes, there. Yes, they're great, dude. All right. But here we go. No more bullshit. No more talking. Here it is. Behead, uh, Behead the Prophet and their single, The Calling.
I'm still coming down from that, man. Oh, thanks, dude. Thank you. Dude, Thank you. holy shit. You guys killed it with that, man. I appreciate that, man. All right, so there you have it. The moment, uh, my favorite overall moment of the year. Uh, having Behead the Prophet in the studio, world premiering their first ever single, The Calling. Welcome back into Money's Crazy Mind. We are in our number two already. We are about 10 minutes in to our number two, but we're okay with that, man. Because when you're doing this, man, you know, yes, I did kind of write down, you know, footnotes of everything that I wanted to talk about, a lot of pages of shit that I wanted to talk about, but I'm okay with, the, uh, you know, a few segments running long, and that's mainly just because, you know, I like this show to run fluidly and everything like that. I do want to uh, take a second to not only thank all of our great sponsors but also all the people out there that support money's crazy mind and have been supporting money's crazy mind ever since we decided to go solo uh earlier this year uh we're gonna kick it off obviously with the logo that you see behind me nameless faceless productions uh that is a company that i started earlier this year uh, to try to dabble into like film editing, uh, video editing, and uh, things like that. So obviously, using a lot of those skills on this very show. Uh, also, we have the band that you hear playing behind me right now, Psych Ward. I want to thank them for not only their continued support, but the continued use of not just the official theme song of Money's Crazy Mind, Funny Bone, but obviously the song that you're hearing behind me right now, Lab of a Madman. Other songs that you've heard throughout the year, Mob Like Family, Bass Track, which is the track that we use for our countdown to start the show. Uh, but also songs like Hatin'. Uh, what else have I played? Um, Lettuce to My Killa, um, Your Fault. Um, and uh, back when I first started with the internet radio station that I used to be affiliated with, uh, one of the songs that we would use when we went to break was their song, A-Tang. Uh, so, Psych Ward is a very huge part. <laughs> Go figure, I say their name, their logo appears. Uh, of Money's Crazy Mind and everything that we've done throughout the years. So, thank you so much for being a part of us. Uh, Tattoo Therapy Inc., my man Riley Chase, uh, has done uh, most of what you see here on me and um he is one of been rated one of the best tattoo parlors in northeast ohio so check them out today they are in the green buyer shopping center in <clears throat> uh parma heights also thank you lisa summers for allowing growing wings adult services to continue uh being a part of uh money's crazy mind uh growing wings adult services helps adults with disabilities uh, in the Northeast Ohio area, you can contact Lisa and the team at Growing Wings um, 
if you or uh, someone you know might need some assistance. Obviously, the Erie Art Gallery, which is part of Tattoo Therapy, Inc. as well. And I also want to thank some of our newest supporters, Kezi Productions, the Loud and Local Podcast, and, of course, everybody on those teams, including uh, some new members of the team that they will be announcing in 2024 uh i do want to thank them for allowing uh for sharing i actually i want to say money's crazy mind on all of their pages helping get the word out not only about this show but of course their own show and independent podcasting and that to me is a big huge thing because when i came into this five years ago i had no fucking clue what i was doing and I've grown this show into everything that we see here. And I do owe a lot of that to that internet radio station that I used to be affiliated with. But also a lot of self-education that I took upon myself to learn the ins and outs of doing this. And growing my own personal technology so that I can continue to bring this show at the highest caliber without any kind of backing whatsoever. And I'm proud of the fact that there are others out there that see what can be accomplished when you to steal another quote from back to the future, but put your mind to it. Um, you know, uh, the, the quote from back to the future was actually do if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything, but I kind of said it a little bit backwards, but, uh, so, and Kezi productions is definitely doing just that. So congratulations to those guys. And can't wait to see what they bring to the table in 2024. Now, uh, we are venturing into the TARDIS one last time for 2023. The Christmas special aired Christmas night. First time that has happened in quite a few years. Thank you, Russell T. Davies, for allowing my Christmas night to end watching Doctor Who, it has always been something that I love doing, uh, aside from if the Steelers get lucky enough to have a Christmas night game, which for a few years there, they did, and they was always against the goddamn Patriots, uh, but thank you, Patriots, for um, helping the Steelers potentially get into the playoffs. Um, <sighs> I might have to uh, do a little Stiller Squawk segment here. Uh, one of the first shows of 2024 to give my thoughts on whether or not I want to see the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs or not. But without further ado, let's dive into the TARDIS for the last time for 2023. All right, well, when we last left the Doctor on all of his adventures, he had regenerated into Doctor number 15 after helping Doctor number 14, who looks suspiciously like Doctor number 10, defeat the Toymaker at the end of the final part of the 60th Anniversary Spectacular. And as we know, the 15th Doctor's TARDIS looks very similar to the 14th Doctor's TARDIS. 
by generation aside, we now know the fate of the 14th Doctor and why that mysterious face came back. Um, it was basically ending the old, bringing in the new, and kind of a soft reboot, if you think about it, for the series. And of course, a lot of people had a lot of questions. What is the first Christmas special in a long time going to look like with this new doctor? And we didn't have to wait long. Christmas night, the Christmas special aired the church on Ruby road. And we got introduced to the, uh, the, to the new doctor. Um, like I said, at the end of the 60th anniversary special, I'm going to do a couple of things here really quickly and chickaba. Well, there we have him, the 15th doctor pantsless, the way we left him at the end of the 60th anniversary, uh, special number three, um, jukebox in the TARDIS and all. But I got to say, I was a little curious as to what a full hour long special with the 15th Doctor played by Shuti Gatwa was going to be, and it did not disappoint. But not only were we in, uh, given a full introduction to Shuti as the new Doctor, we were also introduced to Millie Gibson as the new companion Ruby Sunday. The show opened with a, nar uh, a narration by the 15th Doctor talking about the church on Ruby Road, which is how Ruby got her name. She was abandoned on Christmas night by her mother, and the church that brought her in named her after the church, and obviously the day of the week that church happens Sunday, at least in Catholic and uh, Christian religions. We then fast forward to modern day and we see that Ruby is very cognizant of the fact that she was orphaned and, you know, she goes on a television show to try to help find her parents to, you know, ask a lot of the questions that I think some orphans that are out there may have not necessarily people that were adopted into new families, but orphans that pr pretty much spent their entire life in the system. You know, I'm pretty sure that there are some orphans out there that do wonder why did their parents not want them, things of that nature. Uh, and we find out that Ruby herself is actually very clumsy and has caused quite a few accidents throughout her time. The doctor is kind of lingering in the background and um, introduced himself to Ruby a couple of times and kind of asked her, you know, do these things happen to you quite often? Which she admits, yes. Uh, but then after she with uh, decided to go on this television show for help trying to find her parents. We discover that the host of that television show has now also find herself to be the victim of quite a few accidents herself. One that we never really got too much clarification as to what happened, but one that might've cost her her life. Uh, and throughout this entire little you know, introduction to the character of Ruby Sunday and, um, you know, her family, we do meet her adoptive mother, um, Carla. 
could have been a little bit more creative with the name there because Carla, Clara, you get you catch what I'm getting at, Doctor Who fans. Um, you know, and that she is actually getting a new foster child, which is a infant. Um, with a horrible name, horrible name. I don't know where they came up with this name, but Luba Bell. Hmm. Uh, we're also introduced to another character, Mrs. Ford, who seems to work for their version of like um, a foster care system in the UK. Um, obviously, I'm more familiar with the American version of the foster care system, so I don't know um, exactly how it works overseas in London. But we are introduced to a character named Mrs. Ford, who introduces, you know, who brings Lulabelle into the fold. Um, and... Uh, we kind of see, you know, the dynamic between Ruby and her foster mother, uh, Carla. Um, we're also introduced to Carla's mother, um, who I don't know if they ever gave her a name or not. I can't remember. I have to go back and watch it again. Um, but the woman is obsessed with tea and gets very mad when she doesn't get it on time. Uh, we are then introduced to the baddies of this episode who have kind of been lurking in the background and causing a lot of havoc for Ruby Sunday. And though they are goblins, pirate goblins who live in a floating pirate ship, which has parked itself over London and apparently has been there for most of Ruby's life. Um, and they eat babies. And when Lula Bell was introduced, we find out that the goblins have kidnapped her and they left kind of a interesting message for uh, Ruby Sunday after they kidnapped her. And because we know that her birthday is on Christmas Eve. So as they are kidnapping the baby, they leave the message. Happy birthday. Uh, we see Ruby uh, chasing after the goblins, trying to get Lula, Ro uh, Lula, Lula Rose. Wow, really? Lula. Uh, Lula Bell back. They decide to call her Lula, which is a little bit better, I guess. Um, and the doctor is then like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you running on rooftops trying to jump onto a mysterious ladder that just appeared out of the sky? And they go on the adventure into the ship. There's a lovely musical number, uh, kind of like the uh, Ewok scene at the end of uh, Empire, or not Empire, but Jedi Strikes Back. Uh, Could have done without that, because uh, basically they're singing about the fact that they eat children and feed them to the Goblin King. But, you know, hey, I don't write the shit, right? Uh, so that that probably was my only negative moment about the show was this musical number by the goblins. Uh, other than that, um, you know they get they get her back, and you discover that there might actually be a little bit more to Ruby to uh, Ruby Tuesday, Ruby Sunday, Ruby Tuesdays is a restaurant. Ruby Sunday is the girl in the pixel. Uh, that me then meets the eye. And that there's going to be a lot of this dynamic between her and this new version of the Doctor. Can't wait to see how that relationship is going to grow. Um, the Doctor um, realizes that the goblins are doing something more than just trying to attack Lulabelle. And they pretty much do a Borg 
if, if I can compare it to something else that I've seen, uh, Star Trek First Contact, when the Borg go back in time and decide that they're going to stop First Contact from ever happening, therefore making the Federation, um, you know, the Enterprise, Captain Kirk, Captain Picard, none of those people ever exist, or at least into the capacity that they can affect the Borg. Uh, something very similar to this happened they decide to go back in time to the day that ruby was dropped off at the church and kidnap her then so the doctor then has to go back in time and stop them from being able to steal ruby so that she can continue to exist the way that she did um obviously a lot of time travel uh timey uh wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff happens in between there where the doctor discovers that ruby no longer exists um, and then when he comes back to the present, obviously everything is kind of back to normal or so we think. Um, this Mrs. Ford that we were introduced to, something's going on with her. And I mentioned a moment at the end of the final 60th anniversary special where we see a woman's hand pick up the gold tooth that the toy maker said held the master. think about that for a moment now mrs ford gets very excited when she discovers that this mystery man that has appeared in ruby's life at the end of this episode arrived in a blue box and when ruby is trying to chase after the doctor at the end of the episode mrs ford points her in the direction of said blue box and then, you know, obviously Ruby and the doctor are going to start going off on their adventures. There's another person that I don't know if he's going to have any bearing in the next season of Doctor Who or not, uh, but they did give him a name. So that kind of lends a little bit of credence to this. His name was Abdul. And he said, and he just goes, did you just see that? That, that police box disappeared. And Mrs. Ford is just like, oh, don't worry yourself about that, uh, um, Abdul. And then, you know, she kind of does, breaks a little bit of the third wall and kind of looks into the camera and goes, it's not like you've never seen, uh, um, what, you mean to tell me that you don't know what a TARDIS is? Huh? How do you know what a TARDIS is, Mrs. Ford? And then credits roll. And we discover that the next season of Doctor Who is going to be starting in the spring so here's what i'm going to do with that right because obviously i don't want to come out here every week and talk about every episode of doctor who so once the entire season ends i will do a breakdown on the entire new season of doctor who i don't want this show to be focusing on just one topic week after week after week and you know i don't want this to become a review show and things like that um, now I flew entirely off the script on this, everything that I had written for this episode was based on the Hasbro. So the, the stuff that I did research on, basically, you know, the Hasbro stuff, um, as you can see, like right there, you know, newsroom Haslab. um, you know, obviously the breakdown of the tears in all the Haslab stuff. And then I wrote a little bit of notes about you know, the moments that I talked about 
that were my favorites in 2023. But when it comes down to talking about the Christmas special for Doctor Who, as you can see there, no notes whatsoever. I wanted that to be organic, and that's why I put this episode up as soon after the original airing of the Christmas special as possible. Um, I actually have gotten a couple people qu uh, ask me why I do this every once in a while. If I notice that the camera is going, starting to get a little fuzzy, um, the way that this camera refocuses on what it's supposed to be focusing on is by putting your hand up to it like that, and then it'll refocus on what it's supposed to focus on. It's part of the reason why I bought the camera that I bought, which is a 2K Anchor uh, camera. Um, but overall, I'm digging everything that they're doing with this new version of Doctor Who. This episode did kind of feel like a little bit of a soft reboot where we're leaving everything that happened in the past behind and we're going to be getting into completely brand new adventures with a brand new Doctor. Now, are we going to see some fan favorite villains return like the Daleks, the Cybermen, the Weeping Angels, maybe the Ood, even though they weren't really villains, but they kind of were, uh, or maybe even the Silence? Some of those just great, scary, classic Doctor Who villains. Here's what I'm going to say about that. We obviously know that the Master is going to be playing a part in something going on in this new season of Doctor Who. We know that because a woman, I don't know who, um, picked up the gold tooth that the toy maker left behind that had the Master inside of it. So we know the Master is lurking somewhere. But to be honest, the Daleks, the Cybermen, especially those two, they're getting a little tired, in my opinion. It seems like every doctor's, every re, uh, every regeneration, I was trying to think of the word there, of the doctor needs to have some kind of encounter with these villains. When in, in reality, for me, I don't think that that's the case. You can have an entire season of Doctor Who and not have a run-in with the Daleks. You can have an entire season of Doctor Who and not have a run-in with the Cybermen. To be, on to be honest, I hope that we can go this whole season without having to hear the words exterminate or delete. The Weeping Angels, though, there's so many things that you can do with them and with the abilities that the weeping angels have. And I mean, even the silence, you know, and I know, I know that, that Richard uh, Russell T Davies did say that he wants to get into a little bit more of the fantasy realm with this upcoming season of Dr. Who. And that's cool, but you know, you got to do something that the, that the core fan base is going to like. And I think bringing back some of those villains that we have not seen in a long time, like the silence, like the weeping angels, that might be something that might help, you know, keep, keep some core fan interest moving into this next season, but getting some new villains, getting some new threats for the doctor. That is definitely something that I am very much looking forward to going into the spring of 2024 when we're going to get our brand new season 
of Doctor Who with our new Doctor, who so far, and obviously I've only seen an episode of uh, and a half with him in it. I mean, this was the very first moment that, or did I get rid of that? I think I got rid of it. Anyway, um, the very first moment that we saw him was when he and the, the 14th Doctor bi-generated so that we ended up with both of them. And I do kind of like the fact that they did do the bi-generation because, like I said, this is being treated as a little bit of a soft reboot of Doctor Who where everything that has happened in the past with that Doctor is being left behind and this new version of the Doctor can go into everything fresh to where he doesn't need to think about the time war. He doesn't need to think about the destruction of the Daleks, the destruction of Gallifrey, and all of the other regrets and deaths that the previous versions of the Doctors have had to leave behind. Rose, Amy, and Rory, Clara, River Song. All of it. It can all be left behind now. And we have a brand new Adventures of the Doctor that we can get into. And I know that the BBC is doing this whole Hooniverse thing. And what sucks about that is that the fans in the United States don't even get to take advantage of any of it. Except for these new episodes of Doctor Who. Because none of that other stuff is being made available here in the States. So none of the 900 classic episodes of Doctor Who. None of Torchwood. None of the Sarah Jane adventures. None of it. None of the audio adventures. None of the, the recreations of the episodes where they only have audio or, you know, whatever. None of it is available to any of the Doctor Who fans here in the United States. And that, to me, is the biggest disappointment about this whole thing. You announce that you're going to do this great big Whovian universe and all of that, but yet half of your Whovians don't even get to take advantage of it. That is my probably my biggest disappointment about the whole thing. But very excited to see what's going to happen spring 2024 when the new season of Doctor Who um, happens. And they did kind of make a little bit of a point to sit there and be like, new Doctor, new home, Disney Plus. Okay. Did we get to see that? Like, if I were to try to find the British version, the British broadcast of the Doctor Who Christmas special, would they have shown that same ad at the end of it? A lot of questions are still out there about this partnership with Disney Plus and what exactly Disney Plus is doing for Doctor Who. I mean, obviously, we know Disney played a shit ton of money to the BBC to be able to be the international carrier of Doctor Who. And it's kind of interesting to think of it as the international carrier because the, the, the home of the show is obviously the United Kingdom, England. And we, the United States, are the international audience. But there's also other countries, obviously, out there that enjoy Doctor Who just as much as we do here in the States. So I'm kind of curious to see if we can figure out more about the partnership between BBC and Disney. Cat at my feet. Um, so more on that as we get to it. But I do kind of want to wrap this one up here. Um, didn't talk as much about Doctor Who as I thought I was going to, but there's, there's no problem with that. Um, 
But I do kind of want to get into a little bit about what's going to be happening in 2024. Um, and how I'm kind of looking at the show a little bit differently moving into the future. So I kind of talked about it in our wrap up of 2023. I do want to try to change some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about in 2024. I got away from the true crime stuff. I got away from some of the other things that I have kind of enjoyed doing in the past. Um, I wanted to get away from it for a while to end the year because I knew that I wanted to do these Doctor Who specials. That was one of the big things that I was teasing throughout the year um, for people that were kind of paying attention to some of the things that I was hiding in the background. Obviously, the other thing was the release of Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, but because of everything that happened with the writer's strike and the sag after strike, uh, the film got delayed until 2024. Um so we'll get into that more uh, in the next coming year. Uh, but one of the other things that I really wanted to dive into and get involved in in 2023 was the release of the show Convicting a Murderer. And I didn't get to finish the last three episodes of it, so I do want to dive into those last three episodes of Convicting a Murderer. And then I will give my take on whether or not Daily Wire and Candace Owens did a good enough job of changing the minds of some of the people out there that may think that Stephen Avery was innocent. Or if it was a smear campaign against Netflix. Those were the two things that I wanted to tackle when I heard that Convicting a Murderer was coming out. And based on a couple of the little things that I saw about what they were diving into in some of these episodes, I'm just like, are you trying to convince us that Stephen Avery is actually guilty? Or are you trying to convince us that there were things that were left out of the show making a murderer? And I can honestly tell you, Based on the episodes that I did get to see, I have a pretty good idea of how these last three episodes are going to end. And I can't wait to dive into this show and give my opinion on what I think the outcome of this show is going to be. So that's one of the big things that I want to get into in 2024. But like I also mentioned, I want to dive in, into a little bit of some paranormal things get back into true crime and mysteries and things of that nature as well. But obviously I, I want to stay into the world of geek culture as well. I mean, as you can see behind me, we have Gozer's temple that is, you know, uh, breeding back there. Um, so, I mean, cause we do have Ghostbusters frozen empire on the horizon coming out March 29th. I'll have more news about where I will be to be seeing the film. If you're in the area and you want to come watch it with some Ghostbusters fans and get their natural reaction to the film and things of that nature. Plus, we're also teaming up uh, the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters. We're teaming up with Sony uh, to, to make some events happen for the premiere. 
So stay tuned for information on that as well. But uh, I'm very excited into getting into 2024 and what we have in the future for the show. So for everyone at Nameless Faceless Productions and for everyone that has um, done a lot to help support the show this past year, thank you for making 2023 um, a year that I wasn't sure how things were going to go, um, especially after the later end of the year where a lot of things uh, were changing. But this was the one that we end the year on. And, uh, you know, I didn't talk too much about how my holiday went. But, uh, it was what it was. I'll leave it like that for right now. But this has been Money's Crazy Mind. And, of course, we are broadcasting from Spook Central. This was the one that we end the year on. Thank you, everybody, for taking this journey with me throughout 2023. Obviously, starting where we started and ending right here in Spook Central. Until I see you guys in 2024. And remember, we're going bi-weekly for a while in 2024. Unless some things happen that I decide to go weekly. But we'll go bi-weekly for, for the time being. We got some things we're working on. And that's why we're going bi-weekly for a while. But until I see you guys in 2024... Enjoy your the end of your year, and happy new year to everybody out there. Since the next time we'll see you will be 2024. Until then, everybody, stay safe and have a week. Money's Crazy Mind is proud to be the exclusive flagship broadcast of Nameless Faceless Productions. That's all, folks.